and welcome to the fifth Keho Management Magazine podcast. My name is Alan Rustad. I'm delighted to be with you again on a podcast that, as ever, is sponsored by MyEco, learning and employee engagement made easy. And with me, as ever, is Steve Hemsley, publishing editor of Careho Management Magazine. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, Alan. Good to be doing another podcast. It gets number five. It goes really, really fast, doesn't it? I think the first one we did was just before Christmas. Um, and we're fresh from our glory. Well, one of us is glory at the Care England uh, pub quiz in Westminster last month. That was a good night, wasn't it? It was a very good night. Now, who won that one? Remind me again. I don't know. One of us did, and it wasn't you. <laughs> Let's leave it like that. And uh, yeah, no, I was on the same team as Martin Green. We had, we had, we had good fun. It was a brilliant event. So next year, everyone fancies a really good night out uh, pub quiz for Care England for very good, very good cause. And yeah. quite a bit in the in the uh, in the podcast today, haven't we? Three interviews that you've been doing. I yeah, know. three interviews. Yeah, um, one with Avnish uh, Goyal. He's the uh, head of Hallmark Homes. So all three of our interviews are talking about the future of the sector, really. And Avnish, obviously, very well respected and has got some great ideas. So stay listening for that. That's our first interview. Also spoke to Neil Eastwood. He's um, he wrote the book Saving Social Care and talks a lot about recruitment and uh, how you can keep and attract the best talent for your care home. And also spoke to Tracy Campbell, who's MD of the Patterson Group. Uh, They're a training company, recruitment company. Lots of great ideas from her, including her views on these new T-levels, which are um, to help raise standards. And they come into the health sector in 2021 alongside uh, apprentices. So we've got three really strong, really good interviews today. So that's all going to be very interesting and well worth listening to over the next 45 minutes or so. And we'll begin, as ever on these occasions, with Care in the News. Care in the News, a review of this week's headlines. Yes, uh, Care in the News, always a good uh, good opportunity to see what's going on in the uh, business press and in the nationals. Uh, Joining us is our editor, editor of Care Home Management Magazine, Elsa Cahoon. Welcome, Elsa, to the podcast, as always. Uh, you and Alan have both chosen stories. Uh, so, Alan, just pick on yours first. This is about, um, it's actually from Canada, isn't it? But it applies to anybody working in a care home, wherever they are around the world, I suppose, about partic- how workers could be at risk from physical assaults. Yes, it's an interesting one because I was reading this and it had a headline, Violence, a Daily Risk for Care Home Staff, Study Finds. It's a study actually by the University of Stirling who do a lot of work in this field. But what was very interesting, I thought, was that the actual study, as I read on, was not in this country, but in Ontario, in Canada. Uh, things like physical assault, verbal abuse, sexual harassment, some of the risks faced daily by nurses and other care workers. And I just suddenly thought, how does that apply over here in the UK? You do hear uh, stories of of this kind of trouble affecting care home staff. It's not an easy job, as we know full well. Uh, And it just struck me as incredible. And one of the authors of the report said, we found that physical and verbal abuse have been allowed to become normalised. They shouldn't become normalised in any way at all. I'm sure you'd agree, wouldn't you, Elsa? Well, indeed. And in fact, Alan, um, we did a a feature in um, an issue earlier this year in our Jan uh, Feb issue about um, uniforms. One of the subjects that we looked at was protective clothing. Um, And, you know, it's a real need. I mean, there's actually quite a large problem with, uh, you know, with, with staff being injured, physically injured by residents. And of course, outside of that, uh, that group will be staff members who are abused physically, uh, uh, abused uh, verbally rather than physically. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's more prevalent than you perhaps might imagine. And, uh, you know, no, no staff member really should, should have to put up with that. Well, one participant in the study actually said, I asked to be excused from caring for someone who was punching me on a daily basis and causing bruising. My supervisor actually said to me, this is part of your job. I mean, it's an extraordinary attitude to take. And I hope that kind of attitude is not common in our care homes in this country. I don't really think it is, but it does uh, raise a few alarm bells. And maybe uh, it's something that we should look at in, uh, in greater detail. Yeah, there's one thing in the, in the report saying about residents maybe being put in the or wrong residents being put in the care home. I suppose that's an issue, isn't it? That is. I mean, obviously, we know that you know, the effects of dementia can lead to uh, more aggressive behaviour, and I think staff are prepared for that and, and aware of that. But being attacked on a regular sort of daily basis is not something that we should ever tolerate. And, and you know, there's uh, that you know there's significant health health risks attached to it as well. You know, there's a lot of infections that can obviously pass through by um, you know dirt or infections or germs that have have gone underneath. Um, uh, residents fingernails etc and of course you know if a re- if a staff member gets scratched i mean that that can actually uh, pass through there have been some some lawsuits in in relation to um staff members being injured but in a care home um and in fact uh, you know there was a public health england diagnosis of monkeypox the third to be seen in the uk in a month and that was a healthcare worker who who had been caring for an infected patient and was infected after inadequate um, protective clothing so it's a, it's a big issue definitely yeah. definitely yeah absolutely and um, okay thank you for that Alan now Elsa you've got uh, a story around sort of uh, mental capacity tell us about about that one yes that's right yes it's um, Care England have issued a response to the mental capacity uh, bill that's going through Parliament and uh, in particular the impact assessment which uh, and I, which uh, you know they feel it has has kind of missed the the point really for care home staff and their particular issue is with training where they're saying that care home managers will just get half a day's worth of training they think that's all they need to become familiarized with the new process given the amount of time and the amount of amendments uh, and the amount of changes that this this bill has had since its inception I think the feeling is is that half a day is woefully inadequate and, I, and I'm inclined to agree I, I don't know what you feel Alan Alan I couldn't agree more. I'm afraid an awful lot of parliamentary time is being taken up by one particular subject, as we're all well aware of uh, at the moment. And I quite agree with you. And it's, it's, it's kind of sneaking in under the radar, which is not a good thing. I know of another case uh, involving a lady called Rosa Monckton, who you may have heard of, who was a close friend of Princess Diana and is actually married uh, to the columnist Dominic Lawson, who has uh, a, child, well, a child with Down syndrome. That child is now about uh, mid-20s. Uh, and she was taking a case to the High Court where she was annoyed, to put it mildly, that now that the child has reached the age of 20, no longer can Rosa Monkton uh, be in charge of that child's care any longer. She has to share that duty under this Act with uh, a social worker. And she's saying, you know, I know what's best for my child, even though you know she's, she's no longer a child as such. Uh, and I think little things like this are creeping through and it isn't being given the attention it, it's due to. Mm, 
I think um, the problem is, of course, is that parliamentary time is very limited at the moment and there's very little that's actually making it uh, making it through the whole parliamentary process. And uh, I think the thing is, is that, you know, that, that, that there have been a lot of safeguards introduced into this bill to try and reduce the impact on care home managers. And I feel that, you know, that, that some of those responsibilities, um, you know, have been transferred. But the point is, is that you need to know where your responsibility finishes and where it and where it begins and it, in, in the, all the different scenarios that, that are likely to crop up. And I just don't feel we've got the guidance that we need yet. I mean, maybe it will come. I, I don't know. No, plenty of other things going on, aren't there? Health seems to be falling down the agenda at the moment. Um, Elsa, thank you very much. Uh, as always, uh, you can get the latest news on chmonline.co.uk. Uh, Elsa, editor of Care Home Management Magazine, thank you very much. And Alan, thank you for having a discussion of Care in the News. For daily care home news, visit chmonline.co.uk. Welcome to the wonderful world of Myeco. At Myeco, we're committed to developing the tools to make managing your business simpler. Whether your goal is to revolutionize your training program, reduce your staff turnover, improve employee communications, or simply to save time on your tasks each day. Myeco is here to help 24-7, whenever and wherever you are. Sales at myeco.com 01202 806 Well, now it's time for the first of our interviews in this edition of the podcast. And Steve has been talking to one of the biggest players in the care home industry, Avnish Goyal. Yes, we are delighted to have uh, Avnish uh, Goyal on uh, the Care Home Management Magazine podcast. Uh, Avnish, thank you for joining us. Obviously, you are chair and founder of Hallmark Care Homes, one of the leading care home providers in the country. And so, uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, So what sort of year have you had so far? I mean, obviously, we're in March. Has uh, 2019 started well for you? Yeah, hi, uh, everyone. Hi, Steve. Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, It's a busy time for us in terms of... uh of our residents, customers, clients for the future. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time for us. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Avnish, was this uh, 30-year plan for social care, which you've talked about. I've seen you talk about it at uh, at events. Um, 30 years, I mean, it's, it's very long term. I mean, do you think, I mean, obviously, it's a very headline-grabbing figure. I mean, do you think the sector can get its head around a 30-year plan to really sort out uh, what's happening with social care? Um, I think it's important because uh, if we, I've been in the sector 20, nearly 23 years now, um, you know, started in 1997, and I find myself we're almost two decades into the new century, into the new millennia. Before we know it, we're going to be well into the 21st century. And I don't, whilst I think we have come some way in, in terms of how we deliver uh, care to older people, uh, and I think standards have improved uh, dramatically, I think there's so much more that we need to do if we're going to have a, a world-class service for older people and lifestyle for older people uh, in the future. And I think, uh, you know, aligned with that or akin to that is we've got a, a massive um, population explosion of older people with improvement in medi- medicines, in, in lifestyle and health and well-being. And so we know that we're going to have to look after more and more older people. We've got an aging um, stock of care homes. We've got all sorts of issues uh, around planning and fees and uh, and so on. And we've got this uh, green paper that's continuing to be promised that will eventually arise, which probably won't solve the problem, but will probably continue to ask more questions because actually no one's willing to deal with it. And I think that unless we 
think 30 years ahead to 2050, which is basically halfway through our century, and it's cross-party as well, I think we're going to continue to uh, lurch from one thing to another, keep kicking the real issues into the long grass, and not really come up with a first-class plan to ensure that we move our services really, as we say, into the 21st century. Do you think you will ever get that sort of consensus amongst politicians? Because I know you've spoken in the past about when you have spoken to politicians, they talk about uh, this all being quite unaffordable, but that maybe, as you've said in the past, this is maybe one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves as a society that we need to be able to afford better uh, social care. Um, do you think there will be p- that political will uh, eventually? Um, well, one can hope. Um, I, I'll do my bit. One thing also that I've pushed for, it's not unique or new, is we need a commissioner for older people that's mm. independent of government that can look across all the services uh, for older people and really um, get all stakeholders together to unite and uh, and probably save a huge amount of money and ensure that uh, we have smoother services because people, older people, don't really care, you know, where and how. They just want to know that that these things are available. And and the challenge we've got is that people don't really understand social care. They understand healthcare. They understand the NHS that it's free at the point of delivery, but they don't really get what, what's going to happen if they need to go into a care home or require home care, etc. It's a bit of a shock to them when they find out that uh, probably they're going to have to pay for it themselves or bureaucracy will mean that they probably won't be able to access those services until very, very late in the day. Yes, the NHS has that sort of, um, you know, that sort of lobbying, doesn't it, which maybe social care sort of doesn't have. I mean, you, you said you're doing your bit. I mean, what, what does it need the sector to do, other care home providers to do to, to really, you know, fight, fight our corner? Um, I think we need to set up our store um, probably more effectively. We need to win the hearts and minds of uh, the public. I think, uh, unfortunately, the media portrays social care in a negative way. Um, healthcare always wins out. We don't want to be in competition with the NHS, for sure. We are. We should be aligned with them, and we're, we provide uh, you know services that are uh, sort of parallel with that. So we've got to, uh, I think, win the hearts and minds, and we've got to show, I think, politicians and the public the, the value of social care, the impact that we have on uh, social isolation and improvement in well-being and health of older people, how we increase longevity. Um, maybe that's the, uh, the, the, difficult, the difficult question here because people actually live longer when they're in care homes. Mm. So it's the awkward truth, I suppose, that mm. actually because care homes do such a good job, mm. then we actually uh, need more uh, um, resources to keep people um, in care homes longer because of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we definitely need to show the benefits because they're huge. Every time I walk into uh, our care homes, and I know this from talking to uh, my colleagues and other uh, care groups, is the amount of people that come up to me and say, thank you for the impact that you've had on my mum's life and my family, the way that now mum is. Look at her, she's just revitalized. And that's not unique or uh, rare. This is you know common, commonplace. This is the norm. One word that tends to come up again and again in interviews we do in the podcast and whenever we're talking about uh, in the magazine um, about issues is around innovation, this need for innovation. I mean, do you think uh, there should be more innovation? And if there is going to be more innovation, where it's going to going to come from? Um, well, of course, I think as a sector, we've got to um, continue to innovate. And, um, you know, we've got to not wait for the government. Um, you know, so we've got to do our bit for sure. You know, innovation. There is a huge part in technology and innovation in order to achieve uh, some of the some of the goals. Because we need to think about how can we deliver more cheaply, more effectively, mm. uh, and play our part. Because obviously, there's a huge cost to uh, 
um, you know, the increase in, in population and so on. And what about uh, internationally, uh, Avnish? Because obviously an ageing population is not something that's unique to Britain. Uh, are you seeing any ideas uh, around the world that we could adopt in, in the UK to help solve these sort of problems we're talking about? Um, to be honest with you, I've not researched enough about other countries uh, to be an expert and say, you know, that other countries have done X, Y, Z. What I do know is that um, other countries, for example, China, they are looking at you know, they've got a, a 20, 30 year plan. They are looking forward and seeing what the population explosion is looking like. And they are doing their bit to ensure that they are creating tax incentives for developers and building those communities. And they may not be what we want. And I've been to have a look and it's probably definitely not what we want, but they are trying to address those issues. And I think that uh, as a nation that we probably do need to look elsewhere to see who's doing it really well. Does it surprise you that maybe there aren't perceived aren't votes in um, in in extra funding for social care? I mean, bearing in mind, yeah, we all know we're all getting older. We know there's an issue here about solving the problem of looking after older people and all of us in our old age. And and it maybe isn't such an issue in in other countries. Is, is there a a culture issue here, a British culture issue, when it comes to paying for uh, 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 our care in later life? Um, I think uh, this probably is a cultural issue here that uh, we in this country don't um, think about what we're going to do in our old age. This is probably why we haven't got um, insurance schemes really up and running because uh, people don't participate in those. I think most people think, well, I'll face that challenge when I come to it or actually don't even think about that. They think that the state somehow is going to jump in and, and pay for them and sort them out. Thank you, Avnish. And uh, just quickly, it would be nice to talk about any exciting plans you've got for Hallmark itself. Uh, what's gonna, what, what are we going to see from, from you guys this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of uh, you know, the future, we uh, continue to design uh, homes that are award-winning. We've just picked up the uh, Pinder's Design Award for the eighth time. We've had 11 of our homes in the finals, and, uh, uh, and I think design has a huge part to play in the well-being of residents. You know, in terms of having areas where residents can really hang out, enjoy, you know, the, like the cafes with their uh, loved ones. Uh, we're finding our the, our communal areas are now so well used, attracting more and more visitors into our care homes, which is a, which can only be a good thing. Uh, that's one example, and then all the other uh, features that we put into our care homes, you know, in terms of uh, how we design our hairdressing salons and our therapy rooms and we include uh, in our fees for example in most of our homes that all aids well-being yeah uh, thank you Avnish and just finally I wanted to ask you about your other work you do around charities and you're involved with the care workers charity and, and you've got your own foundation how does that work people that haven't heard about that what, what's 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 your involvement there and what's that what's the role of the foundation charities and making a difference and philanthropy is very dear to me just uh, very quickly we have the um the care sector fundraising ball on the 28th of uh, September, Saturday. So, you know, we're looking to raise a quarter of a million pounds for care workers, charity and the Alzheimer's Society. So that's very, very important that we as a sector continue to give back. And then my own foundation, the Hemorrhage Gold Foundation, was set up uh, in honour of my father who passed away nearly 25 years ago. And it's really to uh, get the next generation involved in philanthropy and also for us to continue our journey of making a difference to those people in society um, that are disadvantaged or need our support, often women and children. Um, but what we've learned is that it's not just abroad, but it's also in the UK. So we support uh, over 20 odd charities um, to make a difference. And in fact, I've got a trip uh, this Friday for three weeks to Nepal and India, where we are going to be um, uh, going to various cities to uh, 
support some of the charities that we work with. Follow us on Twitter at Care Home Manage. That's at Care Home Manage. Five and a Bike specialise in working with care providers to increase occupancy rates and showcase your homes using remarkable video tools and emotive case studies. Having worked with some of the top care providers in the UK, we understand your challenges and can take the complication out of creating video content. We're running a special offer of 10% off your first video tour. So call 01494 868 409 to speak to one of our experienced production team or email us on office at fiveandabike.com. Well, now we're going to meet Neil Eastwood. He's the author of a book called Saving Social Care and is also a well-known speaker on the Social Care Conference circuit. So Steve caught up with him and asked him, how do you save social care? As people who work in social care will know, there are a lot of things that that need fixing. My, My focus has been primarily on recruiting and retaining staff. So if you look out five years, we're in going to be in a terrible position, simply trying to meet the demand for the, the increased number of older people. Whether uh, we're looking to, rec- to recruit to learning disability services or any other service, it's the older generation that's going to be generating the demand for services. We're already at 110,000 vacancies in England. So, so that's the backdrop of it all. Um, I know people have issues with funding and all sorts of other issues, perhaps with what CQC are recently doing but my focus is on I think the big existential problem and that is how do we find not only people to become care staff but also the right people and then once we've got them how do we keep them yes yeah, finding those frontline care employees and keeping and keeping the good ones as you say not just keeping everybody necessarily but improving gradually improving the standard of care so so what's the advice there what what's the, what does the book say and what, what's your advice to uh, care home providers and how to approach that so uh, i think if you start at sourcing this is something i think that we many providers get wrong because they're in a hurry and they've kind of listened to the siren song of internet job boards and seen that that is a quick way to get applications and you don't have to leave the care home to do it Uh, and i was guilty of this too when i was a provider is that we don't realize that the people a lot of people on there are simply looking for any old job locally they don't have necessarily the commitment and the values that we would like so those people are almost predetermined to leave so i think one of the fundamental things that we can fix relatively simply is to diversify and when you're talking about diversifying i suppose you mean not relying so much on uh, job boards and maybe looking at referrals uh, friends and family correct yeah it's getting your existing staff to recommend their friends and family um, who they know in the community who might be really suitable future care staff and that, that's really the secret. And so if you go back to the 1980s, about 85% of staff came from word of mouth or employee referral. And we really need to go back there. So I spend a lot of time encouraging employers to look at their employee referral scheme if they run one uh, and maximizing the, the benefits of it in order to get as many people in from that way, that source as possible. And of course, if you treat your staff well, coming on to retention, you will retain them more. But what will also happen is that they will tell their friends that you're a good place to work. And you, you, we're recruiting for a care home in typically a six mile radius. So you don't need to make too much effort 
effort before word gets around, either positively or negatively, about what it's like to work for you, your organisation. So friends and family, I mean, are they, um, obviously, I'm sure it saves a lot of money on recruitment costs, for, for example, but I mean, why can they be a good fit? Is it because, you know, they have heard those good things and because they live locally? I mean, are there any other reasons why they are they make really good care employees? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the one fundamental point we discovered that really is kind of the underlying reason why it works really well is that the, is your staff understand the values of the organization so they go looking for people who they know are perhaps doing something else working in little or aldi or um you know a teaching assistant or all sorts of different jobs or maybe a retiree a bit bored and they and they go and pitch the job to them so they're sort of laser guided in the community finding those people that have the right values already i think that's point one the second point would be that they always tell that person what um the upsides and downsides of a care job are and it's much more convincing if they tell somebody rather than your advert telling them. And it's much more likely that they're not going to drop out early. So, for example, personal care being a classic uh, one is that they will say, look, you know, there is personal care, but really, you know, it's not it's no issue at all. And so those people are much more likely, you know, well prepared for what the job really entails. And if you're recruiting, you can kind of be a bit shy about, oh, I better not say some of the downsides. And, and that can be an issue. Now, tell me about this um, sticky people and this people clues. Um, initiative and, and then this, this the care recruitment masterclass that you're you're involved with what what's all that about so sticky people has been going now um probably about eight or nine years and so they can be psychometrically assessed for their suitability for a particular job role it might be housekeeping it might be supervisor care assistant nurse or whatever and that very quickly assesses them against what we would consider high performance in that role so that's something that helps regarding risk so it's very good at identifying if someone's slop, uh, stroppy lazy or, or dishonest right. so that that's kind of a support tool a sort of psychological support tool for um, applications and then the recruitment masterclass is an online course with bite-sized um, videos and downloadable worksheets that helps the recruiting person that might be a dedicated recruiter in a larger uh, chain of care homes for example or it might be the manager themselves um, they they have access on the myaco platform to to the best practices that i found all around the world very simply digested into chunks that they can pick you know from a topic anything to do with recruitment the attraction the sourcing um, how you would interview screening any of those aspects uh, and they can you know look, pick up the best practice and and um, you know, improve incrementally, improve the way they they find um, new stuff. It's um, yes, it's it's designed for busy recruiters or managers who perhaps don't want to sit down and, and spend a long time learning all about recruitment, but they just really want some help with how to write a job advert on Indeed, for example, or how are other people um, recruiting. And so I went out and interviewed lots of people. I went over to Ireland and around the UK, interviewing recruiters doing a really good job at one particular aspect of recruitment. So we film them and what how they do things so for example we have somebody talking about how they would create a um, facebook campaign to recruit people successfully so so there's an elements of that and elements of the best practice i found and then you know worksheets and activities that people can do very simply to try and understand the data that they already have from their recruitment a great example being just simply talking to the staff who've been with you more than a year where did they come from you know what were they doing in the community beforehand there's, there's certainly lots of clues in your own workforce right and then how do people find uh find that masterclass have you got the website address there yeah. so that'll be on uh, my echo so so it's going to be partnered with um 
with my echo so that's where we we're hosting it and so um they can find out going to that website and your book saving social care well, how's the best way to get hold of that uh, via the online bookshop uh yes yes so primarily amazon would be the place to find that and uh, so say if you if you search for saving social care in amazon you will find it and all the royalties uh, my royalties are donated to the care workers charity so um it does help them too yeah brilliant uh neil eastwood um author of saving social care thank you very much for coming on the uh, care home management magazine podcast thank you and i'm glad that my dog and me could make it yes i heard him too and uh, no worries uh, everyone's welcome on the Care Home Management Magazine podcast. That was Neil Eastwood. Uh, he works very closely with our sponsors, myeco.com, learning and employee engagement made easy. Follow us on Twitter at Care Home Manage. That's at Care Home Manage. Well, now to our final item on this edition of the Care Home Management Magazine podcast. Steve has caught up with a supplier to the industry this time to discuss training and recruitment. Well, it's always good to talk to a supplier on the Care Home Management Magazine uh, podcast. And today, uh, delighted to welcome Tracy Campbell. She's Managing Director at the Patterson Group. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Um, now, we are going to talk about uh, raising standards in care and the new T levels that are going to come in. The government's introducing them next year, uh, I think. Uh, but firstly, for those who don't know too much about you and the uh, Patterson Group, uh, can you give us some background? Yes, um, well, thank you for having me. Um, the Patterson Group uh, was established in 1972, so we've been going quite a long time around Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire, surrounding counties. Um, established initially covering all industries such as driving, industrial, catering, and clerical. And then in 1994, I founded the health and social care side of the company. Having trained as a nurse uh, in the early 80s, um, realised that during my nursing career I'd worked with many agency nurses I'd also worked as an agency carer myself to top up my student nurse salary very soon realised that agency staff were a valuable resource but that some were unfortunately viewed as not being as good as the permanent staff that we were working with and I felt strongly at that stage that that shouldn't be the case standards of care shouldn't vary depending on whether the caregiver was substantive staff or agency or bank everybody should be striving to provide the best so that's really how um passing health and social care came around absolutely i think uh whoever delivers care we all want it to be fantastic and um raising standards of care wherever it is is important and i know today one of the things we wanted to talk about with you was uh these new T-level uh, standards um, courses that are coming in 2020 from the government, 2021 in health, and whether they are going to help to raise standards in care, um, do, do you think they're needed and, and what impact do you think they will have? I think they are. Um, definitely, it's it's going to help attract, I think, the right people into the industry, but it's also going to give a good balance of classroom-based learning, but also industry placements, um, which is something quite new. They're going to be working alongside apprenticeships, so it's not going to replace apprenticeships from what I understand, um, but it's going to be another way of um, students learning about the industry they want to go into. We work in partnership with Activate Learning in Oxfordshire on employer engagement. They're currently piloting um, some health industry placements within the Oxfordshire area um, and their students are completing 420 hours of placements in care, local care homes um, and other healthcare in, um, areas as well, community support services, day centres, 
schools for children with special needs. So it covers the whole sort of health and social care sector. So I think it's going to be a really useful um, addition to uh, recruitment really into those areas. What you mentioned there about the industry placements, I think that's really um, important, isn't it? For people to get that sort of hands-on experience in the care homes. Do you think care providers will sort of embrace that idea and and we'll see the the real benefits of getting people working in the care homes as part of these T-levels? I think um, the support that's going to be offered by the providers, as in the colleges, um, will really help employers to offer these industry placements. Um, I know having spoken to our contact at Activate, she's very closely involved in supporting the um, employers in these placements with facilitating because I know um, that can be a bit of an issue. Obviously, it's well known that the care sector is understaffed and under huge pressure um, to provide high standards of care. And so mentoring students is something that sometimes is seen as that's a bit impossible for them to achieve. So I think with support, that's definitely much more achievable for them. And I think it will be really valuable for them. Do you think the the T-levels will help to change the perception of a career in care uh, among younger people? I Yes, I do think so, because the obviously the colleges work very hard with um, and closely with schools to attract um, students into the care sector and into learning with them um, with their current health and social care course so with this I think because they're getting the students will be getting more industry placement experience it'll show really help to show them you know what's available and also it's a good stepping stone into further career in care if they decide they want to move into you know onto nursing or physiotherapy or any of those other sort of healthcare um, sector I'm not sure how how aware many sort of care home providers are about the T levels. Uh, I'm sure the publicity is going to grow over the next few months. I mean, do you, is there anything that uh, care home providers can do now to prep for these launch of the T levels? It's a it's a government initiative that um, is coming in, as you said, 2020 and 2021. Um, I think uh, Oxfordshire are very uh, introducing it very early on and piloting this. Um, so hopefully other areas will be doing the same and it will be by the time it's actually introduced, everybody will be very clear on what's required and what support there is available to help facilitate the students in those placements. And can you tell us a bit more about that uh, pilot scheme? How well is that going at the moment? They, they've got about 65 employers that they've engaged with at the moment um, with students working working in their placements they're doing two they've chosen to do um two separate placements and the students are completing two days a week actually in the workplace and there are various ways they can do it it can be actually a block from what i understand 420 hours in a in a straightforward block with one employer or you know two days a week so there's various options available thank you tracy and just quickly can we talk about the patterson group and how you work with care home providers because i understand partnership is uh, a key area for you yeah partnership working is really important to us because we there there is a big need for um agency flexible care staff most employers would say they prefer you know obviously to have a, a whole substantive team unfortunately there just aren't the numbers around of care staff that you know really are required to cover everybody's requirements so by working in partnership with our clients we build flexible workforce for them and they can dip in and out use as they need to and really it just tops up but because of continuity that we aim for they very much the workers we supply very much become part of our clients team 
um, which is what we want to achieve and which works really well. And training is a big area for you these days. So we've got a standalone training division, which obviously is going to enable us to provide more bespoke training sessions for external clients as well as for our expanding team. Tracy Campbell, Managing Director of uh, the Patterson Group, thank you very much for joining us on the Care Home Management Magazine podcast. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. So our thanks to Tracy Campbell there from the Patterson Group for bringing us up to date with her news. And thanks also to Neil Eastwood and to Avnish Goyal. It's been an interesting programme. It has indeed. And it's we're, we're lucky to have such uh, three well-respected uh, industry people on, on the podcast, all talking about what needs to happen for the future of the, uh, the care home sector. So thank you to them. And thanks to everyone for listening to the Care Home Management Magazine podcast, sponsored by myaco.com, learning and employee engagement made easy. Don't forget, if you want to receive the magazine, that's free if you own or manage a care home just uh, email us and we can put you on the circulating list you can find out all the news at chmonline.co.uk and also don't forget to follow us on twitter that's at care home manage uh, well that's all for now we will see you in a few weeks time look forward to that bye for now